0: Well, I apologize that I don't have a camera ready, but, uh, that's uh, fine. What I had didn't
1: work. Oh, that's fine. It'll it'll be on the podcast, anyways. People don't seem like they enjoy looking at me and Brandon no. too much. <laughs> we, we got we, we got,
0: enjoy looking at me.
1: Either. <laughs> we got faces made for radio, so
2: <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Maybe you could put up pictures of uh, of uh, models for all three of us.
1: Hey, there we, we go. We can do that. We or do that.
0: or or you could go on the internet and get uh, a picture of the other Joel West. Um, you know, the one that was a Calvin Klein underwear model? <laughs> <laughs> I
3: didn't know there was one.
0: I used, I used to tell women, though there's a very famous Calvin Klein underwear model named Joel West. And he's even been an actor. And uh, uh, somebody, a woman once asked me, she said, uh, are you famous? And I said, sure, look me up on the Internet. All you got to do is Google Joel West. And she did. And she said, that can't be you. And I said, yes, that's me. I said, that was before the accident. <laughs> no,
2: that's great. Nice. And so I use that.
0: I use that all the time. And, and then when they really look at me, I say, it was a very bad accident. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: so, uh, yeah, he's a Calvin Klein underwear model. So, um...
1: Well, I have to scope him out. We'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> do a little
2: Photoshop work on that.
0: Yeah, how are you guys doing? I'm
2: doing, doing all right. Tired, but
0: doing yeah. pretty good. How are Same. you doing? I'm fine. I'm just tired like you. Um, you know, I think I'm getting a day off, and I get <clears throat> just an hour and a half off, you know.
1: so Yeah, um, that's I, how I was supposed to be off work early today and ended up staying a little bit past what I normally do. It's one of those things, I guess, though.
0: Yeah, everybody serves somebody, so.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, for our listeners, uh, we do have Joel West here with us this evening. Uh, you may know him from uh, "Chasing Ghosts Beyond the Arcade" documentary that you watch on Hulu. Yeah, um, we'll link to the to the movie on Hulu. He also holds many records on some of the classics. He's also one of the original people from the 1983 Otama. Ot- ah, I can't talk today. Otamwa Awa photo shoot from Time magazine. And we're glad to have you with us, Joe. Yeah man. Well Definitely.
0: I, I appreciate very much you guys asking me. I I I enjoy the fact that you know when we met in Atlanta and uh uh just uh, uh we've kicked off a good friendship there and and I enjoy talking about gaming.
1: We do too we we enjoy talking about gaming when people actually know what they're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't happen for us very, very often. Um, I,
0: only, I only fall into that category by accident, believe me.
1: <laughs> well, um, for our listeners and stuff, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Joe.
0: Well, uh, you want to hear from the beginning or, uh, the, uh, or right now or what?
1: Uh, whatever you want to tell us. We, we're fine with hearing whatever you got for us.
0: Okay. It was a dark and stormy
1: night. <laughs> and
0: my mother went to the hot. No, no. Um, <laughs> actually, um. How I got into video gaming was quite accidental. That's the best way I can, uh, pre- you know, present it. Um, one day I lived in Shelby, North Carolina. Uh, that's where I was raised, and uh, I was looking for a parking spot. And there was this fairly new renovated building that I parked in front of to go to this uh, insurance office there, but it had a parking meter. And I needed some change, and the cops in our town was notorious for parking tickets. And so I tried to find somebody that had change. Well, they were all offices, and they didn't have cash. And they tell me, go around back. There's a place around there you can get change. And I went around back and went into this place, and it was dark. And I walked in. I heard all these sounds and noises, and then I went through these uh, doors, and it was dark in there. And all of a sudden, I saw these neon-type lights, and that was my absolute first ever experience with a video game arcade Huh. Nice. and and uh i mean there were probably a good uh 40 games in there and um pool tables and such and um i walked over to this one game and these two insurance agents and in ties were playing it and i watched them and it, it just kind of drew me by uh it's the way it was drawn out and its colors and lo and behold it was berserk
1: huh nice
0: and I watched them play and in about a week and a half of uh, going there every day I I I finally got their score and it took uh, it took a few months but uh, you know I got well beyond them and um, uh, I played Rally X and Battle Zone and all this sort of thing Mm -hmm. and and one day, someone said, there's a high score place uh, that takes care of all the high scores around. I said, well, good. And I, I thought I was uh, had some high scores. I wanted to see how I stacked up because mm-hmm. uh, nobody could take me in that arcade where I was at. And so I sent my scores in. And about two and a half weeks later, I got a letter back from Twin Galaxies Arcade in Otumwa, Iowa. And um, you think a tumble was hard to say. You ought to try spelling it.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I had a couple misspellings on my piece of paper here, actually.
0: <laughs> exactly. Uh, but anyway, uh, they sent me a letter back, which I still have and will not give to anyone. Uh, my grandson will get it when I die, I guess. But uh, uh, the letter says, uh, congratulations, Joel. You are the very first person in the country to have a they were calling them then national records a mm-hmm. national record on two games at one time <laughs> and that was berserk and rally x and i wound up being the first person to have a record on not only two but three the first one to have one uh three games at one time four at one time and five at one time and um that's an awesome that, that 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 was to me that was i appreciated that um and then of course uh the famous Life magazine photo, uh, they sent out invitations to people with high scores who were on the scoreboard. Um, and uh, we had an unlisted phone number, so they couldn't find me. And um, they had my address, but they didn't try to search that out. They tried to search it out by phone numbers.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: But our local paper in Charlotte, North Carolina, Charlotte Observer, um It's a big, you know, it was a big local paper. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, um, carried the high scores of, uh, video games because video games were so popular. The top 20 video game scores and, uh, the video of top 20 score, the, the top score of the top 20 video games. Let me say it right. And, uh, I happen to have a couple of records on there and, um, uh, they kept doing their darndest to try to find me. And one day, um, someone knocked on my door, and it just happened to be uh, a friend who was a police officer. He came to the door in his uniform, and uh, I remember, uh, this is exactly the way my mother told me what happened. She said, there was a policeman knocked on the door, and I walked to the door, and he says, Joel here. And she said, oh, no, what's he done now? <laughs> 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 and uh hadn't done anything, and they were just trying to get in contact with me. And then I called them, and they told me about the Life Magazine photo. And I, I debated whether I wanted to go, but I said, okay, I'll go. Best decision I've ever made. And um, I drove out there. I'd never been anywhere at all. And I left North Carolina about uh five about about five o'clock in the afternoon, just as it was getting dark um, and this was in November mm-hmm. and uh drove over that b- big bridge in Cincinnati. I about had a heart attack' because I'd never been over a bridge like that before <laughs> and then uh started snowing hadn't ever driven in snow even though i you know I hadn't had my license for you know four or five years, and it hadn't been snowing that much drove through snow in indiana went to chicago stern gave me a tour of the factory and then um uh from there uh went to iowa and had a blast and gotten that photo and uh it was a it was a great decision i mean i got hundreds and hundreds of stories but and you have to you're gonna have to uh, uh tell me to be quiet when you need to but oh, that's uh,
1: that's fine. we're here to interview you yeah man <laughs>
0: Well, I have a funny story about my entrance into a Tum 1.
1: Okay. All right. Awesome.
0: When I left Chicago from Stern, I got lost and I was lost for hours. And this was before internet and GPS and that sort of thing. And I yeah, stopped. Where at. you're
1: literally lost.
0: <laughs> exactly. I, lost means lost. And I was, um, uh, at the gas, I stopped at a gas station because I knew I needed some gas and some brake fluid and, they pumped your gas there then, mm. okay, like they do in Pennsylvania now. It was kind of a law. Okay. And, um, uh, I asked the guy to check my brakes. He said, you're low on brake fluid. He said, but I ain't got any brake fluid, but I can put some water in there I do about the same thing. I said, no, don't you put water. In- I was, I wasn't that stupid.
3: Okay. Yeah.
0: And, uh, he was just trying to, I don't know, do something to me, I guess. I drove, uh, Again, I got lost some more in Chicago, but finally I got out of there, and um, as I was coming into Ottumwa, uh, my brakes were gone. They were totally gone. I had a leak in the cylinder, okay, mm-hmm. and, uh, uh on oh, the line, excuse me, not the cylinder. And I, I come into this little SO gas station in Ottumwa, Iowa, and uh, I had a sponsor who was going to pay me once I got there for the trip if I wore their T-shirts, and um, I, didn't have, I, I didn't have like but $8 on me. And um, so I traded the guy at the gas station to work on my car. I traded him a car jack, a basketball, a gas can, and $8 to fix my brakes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now, he, he gave me all of it back when I came back with the, the $38 or whatever it was I needed. It was cheap back then uh, to fix it. And he gave it all back to me except, you know, the $8. But, um, he held it in, uh, uh I guess like a pawnbroker would, you know. Yeah. And, um,
3: when
0: I got to Atumwa, when I got to the arcade there in Atumwa, uh, it was a very hectic place. And, um, Walter Day took me around and introduced me to a few people. And then he went around this corner and he introduced me to Mark Robichek. Mark, he said, and this is what he said. He said, Mark Robachek is the Slow Bullets Berserk champion. And I said, what? He said, yeah, there's another version of Berserk. He said, you're you're playing uh, uh, another version, uh, the Fast Bullets version. He plays the Slow Bullets version. I said, really? He said, I want to see you two play and see what happens. I'd never played the game, didn't know what it did, uh, none of that stuff. Yeah. And so... I started uh, playing, and Mark was better at it, of course. And the world record was like 98,000. He got like 93, but I got 88. So that wasn't bad for not knowing how to play the game.
1: Right, uh, definitely not.
0: But Mark kind of got a little smug after the whole thing on camera. I didn't really appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> and so when the event was over, this is on a Saturday when this happened. When the event was over on Sunday night, and everyone was heading back to their plane or, or, or car on Monday morning, I stayed over in a Tumwa for one more day. And before that day was over with, I had the world record on slow bullets.
3: <laughs>
1: nice.
0: I beat the score by 22,000 points. Oh, oh wow. wow. <laughs> completely
1: eclipsed oh, wow. it, man. That's excellent.
0: So that is some of my Tumwa stories. I had never been experienced to... uh, uh, that area is full of of, uh, meditators okay? Uh, transcendental meditators uh, the people who uh, uh, the Beatles you know eventually became transcendental meditators some stars are like Jim Carrey and so on and so forth anyway um, Walter came downstairs after our game my game with Mark and I was flustered because of the you know that's the first time I'd ever been beaten, but it wasn't on yes. fast bullets, it was on slow bullets. And, um, Walter said, You know, I was upstairs meditating, and as I left my body, I could see this game down here. I looked through the ceiling, and I could see you two playing and struggling, and I'm thinking to myself, My God, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> 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 but it was a good experience, and I enjoyed it, and, um, uh, I am just so blessed to have been there for that
1: weekend. So, go pretty, ahead and
0: ask me about anything
1: else. It was a pretty fateful faithful event. You know, that's definitely one of those once-in-a-lifetime deals. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. If I, had, if I had not
0: gone that weekend, there, there I know of no other opportunity that would have ex- presented itself. No.
2: I, I had seen in the uh, the Chasing Ghosts documentary that you mapped out all sixty what was sixty four thousand rooms in Berserk. I just wanted to know how you went went about that. Like, did you figure out the mathematics behind it? Or you just like put well, one room at a time and plotted out.
0: I got three composition books, and uh, back then there were ring binders, and you tear them out, and they're all messy. You know how that is, yeah.
2: Right?
0: And I started looking at the the maze. And the only thing that was constant about the maze was the walls on the end, on the top and the bottom, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's five spaces across and three spaces down. And that was before I knew about uh, mathematical formulas of probability and all that sort of thing that somebody introduced to me later that I could have done it very easily with a formula. But um, I sat around and sat down, and over a period of a couple of months, uh started drawing the rooms out, making sure I wasn't repeating. You couldn't lock in a corner, you know, that sort of thing.
3: Yeah.
0: And a lot of the rooms were very similar, except for one thing or another. And then when you boil all those 64,000 down to the absolutely different rooms, it's around 832. Hmm. But uh that's still a lot of rooms.
2: Yeah, that's... That's uh, some impressive dedication to do all that.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, uh, most video gamers that are any. uh, Let me say it a different way. Most video gamers who are very successful have a bit of obsessive compulsive inside of them. Yeah. They have to. They have to. Competitor and obsessive compulsive. You know, they have to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think. I, I know a lot of people that we. You know, everybody gives us crap pretty much for being almost 30 and still loving video games. Almost 30. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of people just... I don't think, though, you know, a lot of people just don't really take into consideration how competitive gaming actually is when you get down to it. One nuance
0: here or there is just totally different. But, you know, I laugh at you being 30. I am probably... Well, I'm very well maybe the oldest competitive, competitive gamer,
3: not gamer,
0: <laughs> but I may very well be the oldest competitive gamer going right now. Um, there are a couple people who are older than me, feel younger, um, uh, than a couple of more. And then there's definitely some more in pinball. Um, uh, but pinball are different people altogether. Okay. I'm going to put that on the
1: Yeah. T-shirt. Yeah.
0: Pinball people are totally different people than video gamers. Yeah,
1: you know? I agree. I know a bunch of people that play pinball that they won't touch a video game. Just yeah. like It's, it's like... too opposite end of the spectrum for them.
0: That's right. But I was the first video gamer to also hold a pinball record, and I still hold huh. that record today.
1: Oh, that's awesome.
0: Do you remember the movie Rocky Three? I do. Do you remember when his brother-in-law, Polly, was drunk and he walked in the arcade and he threw the liquor bottle at the Rocky pinball machine? Yes. When I saw that movie, and I've always been a Rocky fan, I set out to get that world record, and I still hold it today. Oh, wow. that is awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. And not, uh, about four months ago, five months ago, um, Walter Day and I were at a show up in Philadelphia, a card show. Not not a video game event, but a, a trading card show.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And... I got Walter in the car. I said, we're going somewhere. He said, okay. It was after it was over. And I drove him all around Philadelphia because he didn't know it, but I was lost. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I knew ex- eventually where I was going. And we went to the very house that um, Rocky jumped over the steps when he started his run. And then we went up to the steps and went both went to the top of the steps.
1: I actually seen the picture you had oh, posted on Facebook of the... <laughs> To be, there. be in there, Walter Day was such, you know,
0: such an awesome thing for me because even though he's he's a very great friend now, and we talk about every day, sometimes a couple times a day, um, I still cannot get over the iconishness. I don't know if that's a word, but I just made it uh, of what he, how he appears, how he, yeah. is, you know. Uh, I respect him in that respect uh, immensely
1: Aye. yeah Walter what little we talked and met him in Atlanta he seemed like he was a really really awesome individual yeah he like, 's there for the gamers you know that 's one of the main things like you know you see in all the documentaries he does and stuff he just uh, he 's not in it for money or fame or any of that at all he 's in it because he cares about the people who enjoy doing it yeah you know
0: you're exactly right I could tell you stories about him that he would uh, uh, have someone uh, get a hold of me and break my arm if I did but uh, <laughs> I could tell you stories about him how he is so immensely sacrificial uh, and has been for years at his own detriment uh, to do things for people yeah now there's plenty of people who try to take advantage of him. But uh, I'm sure well there no are no, no let me let me rephrase that. There are not plenty. There are a few that try to take advantage of him. But most people respect him but uh most of all that trading card stuff um until Mr. Eric Tesler came along was totally out of his pocket. And um people would um uh, uh, send him a message uh do a card for me. Do a card for me, and he would look at the situation and do it. and And a box of cards was around fifty bucks, and he never asked asked them for a penny. And most people would never volunteer a penny.
1: Huh?
0: But yet they wanted him to mail that box of cards to them to him after he did it, which was another postage fee. So, oh yeah, yeah. It's so
2: easily ten dollars to ship something like that. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. So, um, yeah, he's a very self-sacrificial man. And um, um, you know, people have a kind of the wrong idea of Billy Mitchell because of the movie King of
1: Kong. I, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were wanting to talk about that. Some way. I don't. We didn't want to talk just a ton about Billy because we know how you know everybody's. Yeah, he's that, that's the one they're curious about. But mm-hmm. oh, but, fine. but just like Walter, you know, though, like when we met Billy, he was awesome. That yeah. and that's been the single most question that everybody we've talked to coming back from Atlanta's asses, they're like, oh, my God, is Billy Mitchell really the big a-hole that they pursue? And I'm like, no, not at all, man. I was like, he was really cool. Yeah. Like He was well, awesome to talk to. You
0: know, I mean, when he's not going to the animal shelter buying kittens to take him out back and shoot him behind his house, he's really a pretty, really a pretty nice guy. Yeah. You know? um, now, he, he does. He does have that one thing he likes to do. But you know, let's not tell everybody. It's just between you and us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, uh, he uh, uh, he's a family man. He's got uh, uh, a total of three kids. Uh, two, one's in college, ones in high school, and
1: yeah, He actually of he said something about one of his. Uh, he asked us where we were from. And he said one of his daughters. I think it was his daughter. Some somebody went to University of Alabama.
0: Yeah, that's where herself, his daughter's yeah. at right now. Oh, that's daughter, awesome. Youngest daughter, and uh, she's tall like him, and and um, uh, good-looking kids, smart kids, and um, you know so forth. And um, he uh, he got this reputation uh, because first of all, it's not a mullet because it's <laughs> the same length all the way around. But right. He got this reputation because of his hair. Then he got the reputation because uh, he basically humiliated our friend, and he's friends with Steve Sanders. He humiliated Steve Sanders at the Life Magazine thing. uh, The night that photo was taken on um, uh, uh, on Sunday morning. Uh, On Sunday night, they played at um, uh, that arcade in one and Steve had posted a high score of 3.1 million. That's
1: right. He was one of the first people to he lie was. about his score, wasn't That's he?
0: That's right. He lied about his score. Mm. And um, then um, Billy basically humiliated him. Um, Billy got um, 800, let's see, 700 and something thousand, 800,000 on his first man. He, <laughs> he got 200 and something for the whole game.
1: Yeah.
0: And, um, basically, we decided right then who the King of Kong was. And, or he did. Not we, but he did. And, um, but he's a very nice guy. He, uh, he, you know, goes with the fact that people think he's Darth Vader. Yeah. <laughs> When you're 6'5", and you have unusual hair, and you walk around in a tuxedo, you kind of do draw attention to yourself. Yeah, yeah. I had
2: a question about him. (laughs) You know, when he's doing these events, and all he has is kind of, I'd compare it to a pro wrestler type persona. Mm -hmm. Uh, This very uh, extravagant. um, Does he ever, you know, when you're around him, does he ever just, I don't know, break down and get real with you? Well, um,
0: how do I say it? He's as real as he gets right there. That's him. Uh, he, 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 I know what the, the look is, is I've only seen him out of his, um, uh, suit, uh, maybe three times in all the years I've ever seen him. I mean, he didn't really start to suit until about 1999, but, uh, you know, since then about three times, uh, two times, uh, he was in shorts and it just blew me away. Uh, because he wasn't in a suit, and one time I can't discuss, because I'm still trying to erase that from my mind. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, um, I'll have nightmares. Uh, but, <laughs> but uh, um, as far as video game stories, I mean, um, uh, Billy can, is the one person that I know, um, uh, of all the other people out there that can really back up what he says. Um, he hadn't had the time to practice, and he went to Kong off for up in uh, Pittsburgh uh, a month or so ago.
2: Yeah, we covered a little bit of that on our podcast.
0: His kill screen was, he got a kill screen at
2: 930,000.
0: <laughs> wow. The first game he had played uh, in over seven months uh i gave him a really good pep talk and told him that he could do it and you know sometimes when you haven't played in a while and you're itching to play you've got a good game right there yeah that desire is what does it yeah and uh, um he brought it forth and i mean he was excited so um uh, what else do you want to know i can tell you anything and everything and Probably too much.
1: <laughs> I know. Uh, one thing I was wanting to ask, definitely. Um, you know, we talked about chasing ghosts beyond the arcade. Mm-hmm. How did um, How did all that come about? And you know, we're, you know, we know, understand that it is a movie. And I was kind of curious. Just, did they leave out anything? Yeah. Did they misportray stayed? anything? Did they misportray stuff? You know.
0: Well, I think they did. Uh, and all the people, all the people who were in it. I think that also. Um, it was an unscripted movie
1: mm-hmm. but it
0: but there's a, such a thing as scripting a movie by editing. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, I'm very familiar with that. The King of Kong
2: yeah.
1: is uh, you know that movie that That's, right there uh,
2: every documentary you see on Discovery
1: Channel now. The power of editing yeah. takes control over all.
0: Exactly. And I remember when we were in my living room and they were asking me about uh, the guy who uh, did the patterns on Berserk.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I was uh, I was not in a good mood about it uh, because we knew, we knew about the patterns um, back when I was playing, and then thirteen years later he f- uses it to basically. Uh, do our score five times over. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we looked at it as a cheating because what you do is you go in, uh, eight or 10 or 12 rooms and you go out a certain way and you keep, and you just make a circle. You go out the left, the top, the right, the bottom, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. You just keep doing that. So after you get past the first 10 or 12 rooms, you're, all you're playing is four rooms. That's it.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, yeah,
0: and they had told me that they went down to Florida and they filmed him doing that, and they said, after he lost his first man, you know where he was playing the four rooms all the time, yeah, they said he didn't last but about uh, six thousand points, and I said that tells you right there that he can't really play the game,
1: yeah he's all he doesn't have that full understanding of it,
0: exactly, and so. I'm sitting in the room, we're talking about editing here, so I can stay on task, but, um and then I said, um, you can teach a monkey how to play a certain number of rooms, but you cannot teach a man. And then I said, with a four room pattern, how to play berserk. And they
1: cut that out where and you they just cut said, with a
0: four room pattern, they cut that out. Huh. And, um, so. Yeah, they cut it out, and that that was the only thing they did on me, except uh, there was this old man who, that when we were in the car, on the car scene, there was this old man who sells flags by the side of the road.
3: Mm-hmm. He's
0: got every kind of flag. He's got countries and states and organizations, but he had a Confederate flag Uh-oh. there. And this was in 2005 before we
1: yeah, yeah.
0: started And they wanted to stop and film me standing beside the Confederate flag. And I said, absolutely not. I said, I know what you're trying to do. I said, this area, everybody gets along, we're peaceable, and you're not kind of stereotype us. Yeah. And the director did not like that at all. (laughs) And, um, but, you know, um, what can I say? But uh, I, I knew that uh, he would have that bent, and he would try to go for it, um, and so I didn't let him. But other people didn't quite follow, didn't quite have that knowledge.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, uh, Steve Sanders repeated something that uh, uh, was said to him one time by Billy Mitchell, and they, t- they, they told him they wouldn't uh, tape it. They just want to know what he said, but they kept the camera running and the mic on. And uh,
1: where is it where he F bombs? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And he was he was, you know, he's a Sunday school teacher now. Yeah. And um he is also an attorney and I said, Steve, why didn't you know that they were going to lie to you? And and they tried to make Ben Gold look ridiculous. And remember when they they were filming Billy Mitchell through this bathroom when through his bathroom door? They were playing that uh that song um what uh was it uh you know about you know when he was combing his hair trying to make him look stupid
2: yeah
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: and so um uh they tried they tried to to make us but they 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 were looking for an angle Mm
1: -hmm.
3: yeah
0: but the real story was a whole lot more interesting than what they were trying to portray um they could have just sat us down and talked to us like this and and, uh, and got a wealth of information, but yeah. they were, they had the camera on me within, um, I would say two minutes to three minutes from the time they walked in my front door.
1: Wow. Oh, boy. Not even giving you <clears throat> any breathing room whatsoever.
0: No, as, as a matter of fact, they had it on before we even had sat down, uh, and ranged the chairs and everything. But, um, I got a little. I got a little justification out of that movie and the fact that uh, uh, I did get that berserk machine running, and it, it's the one that I set the world record on on uh, slow bullets in Florida last year. So I was happy That's about great.
2: that. Very nice. Uh, I, had, I had a question regarding the uh, the editing aspect. Um, Roy Schilt, uh, aka Mister Awesome, is he really the jackass that they portrayed <laughs> him to be?
0: Probably a little bit more.
2: Oh wow. <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh, he's, I've never had but one interaction with him, and um, that was when uh, he was standing beside me. I offered him a ride um, uh, back to his hotel in Iowa uh, when we were at the Big Bang uh, event in 2010. Mm-hmm. He was walking, and the hotel was a good mile and a half away. And um, I offered him a ride, and, and he didn't want it. But he did uh, threaten Billy Mitchell.
1: Huh.
0: He threatened his life.
1: Really? So I've, I've heard this or read this a couple more instances because apparently old Roy Schilt, he's kind of like a loose cannon individual. Yeah, I kind of got that.
2: Yeah, he is.
0: But um, unfortunately, you know, he was a, a steroid-using bodybuilder back in the day. And... Um, the steroids have unfortunately taken their toll on him physically.
1: We, Me and Brandon actually seen yeah. a video. While well, we were doing research for everything, we seen a video of him doing some sort of bodybuilding thing from like a few months ago. And he looked rough. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Bad. He, he's probably uh, about the same size as Walter Day. And Walter's not unhealthy. Yeah. Walter's just little.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, and probably he wouldn't have, he wouldn't appreciate that word a little. Walter is, uh, a, uh, and I don't want to use petite. That's girly. So Walter's not a, not the biggest man in the world. How's that?
2: He's got so, a small so, frame. There yeah. you go. Yeah. There you go.
0: Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. And, um, so, um, but Roy used to be, uh,
2: you know, bigger than you guys.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I've and, seen some of the old pictures where he was. Whole yeah, yeah when we
2: were uh, watching some of those YouTube videos, he's on. You know, I, when I saw the documentary, I kind of disliked him, and then after watching some of the stuff he's put out recently, I kind of just felt bad for him. Like, seemed just mentally unstable. Like,
0: well, there was something he said the Chasing Ghost movie that's always haunted me. Um you know, anybody who tries to get attention like that, whether it's a uh, video gamer, Charlie Sheen, or or whomever. There's always a reason they do it, but I think that I've never heard it put so succinctly as Roy Schilt did it in Chasing Ghost. They uh, they asked him. They said, uh, "Why do you play video games?" And he said, "Because it makes me special." Yeah, that's it right there. Because he has. We all have a need to be special.
1: Oh yeah. And
0: he saw that that as his only avenue of being special huh so i feel sorry for him for that
2: yeah yeah, yeah that's yeah that's after I, I i seen past the the editing and the in the story narrative of chasing ghosts that's what i got out of it i just kind of just felt bad for the guy
0: yeah exactly exactly so who else who else are we going to talk about <laughs>
1: um um I was wondering that- or wondering, you know, in the documentary depicts, uh, your, your relationship with Ron Bailey and, and how, you know, he started out kind of like a mentor and then you ended up rivals at a certain point. Is, uh, is that rivalry still there today at all or?
0: No, no, he, he no longer plays video games uh. and, um, he's approaching, uh, 80 years old, but, um, uh, actually, um, I was his mentor, uh, not he mine. Um, he saw me in the arcade and I taught him how to play Bizarre. Oh,
1: oh okay.
0: And,
2: um. see nice. so he kind of came across the other way in the documentary.
0: Yeah, I guess it did. But I taught him how to play, uh, because I already had a score of a little over 30,000 at the time.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And, um, I taught him to play. And, um, so there was nobody that was close to me at all. Anywhere, and I was kind of bored, and uh, I stopped playing for a good nine months. And um, one day, he, uh, after he had learned to play, you know, I, I taught him how to play, and I just kind of uh, left it. One day, he contacted me and said that uh, uh, he was getting close to my score, and 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 uh, two days later, he overtook it. And so that started the rivalry and, and, you mm-hmm. know, we we're good friends through the rivalry, but, um, um, we, uh, he, he, actually, i probably, I don't, I don't believe in jinxes, but if there could be one, I'm about to do it. No one has ever beaten me in a game of fast bullets ever. Mm. Uh, they may have taken my score when I wasn't playing them, but if I played them, you know,
1: head on, head on, head on,
0: they never have beaten me and um so uh he was all he was always frustrated about that but uh, but he did set as, as far as i'm concerned he played the greatest game of fast bullets anyone's ever played to this point
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: nice. just remember i said that
1: oh times. yeah to this point yeah
0: right. and uh, walter day was a witness to that game and uh he document. walter day even documents the play in um his first book, "Video Game World Records and Pinball."
2: Oh, I'm gonna have to check that out.
0: Yeah, I've got it right here, and um, uh, uh, it's it's a great book to have. A lot of people purchase the book because of you know looking for their name in it.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: The first um, uh, four fifths of the book, and it's a thick book. Uh, are scores from that era? But the last 200 pages are the story of probably the first uh, 15 years or so, I, I would say 10, 15 years mm-hmm. of uh, video gaming since, you know, it started in 81, 82. And it's a tremendous story. I mean, I was there and I teared up at the end. That's, huh. how, good, that's how good that read is. Wow. Yeah. And um, so I'm very, uh, Walter's a very good writer. He wrote the he wrote that story. And uh, he's a very good writer.
2: I'm definitely gonna have to check that out. I didn't know he had written a book.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. And there's a I think there's a volume too, but I'm, I'm um, I, I don't have it, but uh uh it would be more of the more modern era games I would assume, but um he uh he's a very good writer.
2: Hmm. So nice. <clears throat> Um I wanna ask you like Back in the in the early eighties, I guess you say the classic game area, um, golden you know, age, the golden age, yeah, right, right. Uh, players like you were celebrated. Really good players were celebrated. Uh, today they're looked down upon. They're nerds. They're geeks. They're <laughs> no Um Why do you think that is now?
0: Haters gonna hate. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I have been, it's been said to me so many times, uh, you're how old and you still play video games? <laughs> there's, this, there's this one woman who, who was a neighbor and I never will forget it. Um, one of her, uh, relatives or kids looked me up and said, he's famous. He plays video games. And she looked at me the next time she saw me and she said, they looked you up on that internet and they showed me you and you, you, you play V, ve- how's she say, video
3: games? <laughs>
0: and I said, yes, I do. And, um, so, uh, this is what I tell people when they make that statement and they've got any intelligence at all. I didn't talk to her, but <laughs> this, is, this is what I tell people. Um, And it's mostly a wife of a married man I'm telling this to. And this is, anybody can use this they want because it's true and it's common sense and it works. Um, You take a man that has a hobby and he's not sitting there in front of the TV like a couch potato all the time. I mean, if he is, you know where he's at, but you don't usually want him where he's at. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You want him doing something. Okay, if he gets up and starts doing something... He'll either uh you know, work out in the shop in the garage and he'll buy tools and and have this, you know, nice collection of tools, which is fine, and then all that's very much needed. Yeah. Uh but he'll invest himself in his garage, or he could be a bowler and he's gone a lot, and sometimes that involves gambling or or drinking and things that women don't, you know, want and rightly so and um that he could be a golfer. Now, that's an
2: expensive hobby. Yes,
0: it is. Yes.
1: Big time.
0: That, that is a big, big time expensive hobby. So if he doesn't uh, gamble and golf and he doesn't um, uh, drink uh, you know, to excess, um, what other hobby can he do that you know if he's doing it, he's at home? You, he can do it with his kids. He can do it with his wife. He can do it with his family, and it's really not that expensive,
2: right? It's video
0: yep. gaming.
2: Yeah, just the other night I uh, hooked up the old Sega Genesis and was playing that with my stepson, one of his friends, and you know they're, they're used to all these newer games. So they started playing a uh, NBA Jam on the Genesis, and, <laughs> and so that's their favorite game now. Like exactly. these old games are just so fun for him.
0: Exactly. These, I am, I'm not a fan of, of 95% of the newer games because of, of all the um, the violence mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: that are in the games. Um, I know Berserk is a f- basically a first-person shooter, but uh, Call of Duty and Berserk are quite different. I'm not oh, yeah. of, You're not
1: you know, running I'm, around killing other human beings or nothing exactly. like that. You're killing robots.
0: Exactly. No. <laughs> Uh, I don't believe that you should, uh, you know, have a game where humanoids are killing humanoids. Um, now there was an old game called Boot Hill was with a gunfight, but you know, it's, it, it was so hokey, but yet fun yeah. that, that it wasn't going to, you know, inspire someone to go out and do this. Yeah. Uh, in real life, um, there's plenty of argument, uh, for and against that kind of video game but um, it's not going to affect everybody but the small percentage of people that it would affect it's apparently not worth it because of all the damage they can do but yeah. that's that's my opinion opinion you know I'm gonna be prejudiced because I'm a classic gamer but
2: um, well, yeah another but, difference is these old games they look like video games yeah that's and what and I was say. The new stuff looks like simulations
1: video exactly. games like a form of escapism you know you want to you want to play a video game for the sake of playing a video game. You don't want to play a video game to do mundane stuff that you do in everyday life, you know? Yeah.
0: Right, exactly. And um, so, um, you know, that's my take on <clears throat> Excuse me on the games. But um, I don't know where I started with this, but uh, um, what's your next question?
1: I know, um, you know, the panel we've seen you and Billy do at a southern fried game room
0: mm-hmm. expo
1: um you i'd were, love to
0: get a copy of that by the way i've been trying to get a copy but i can't get anybody to get back with me
1: i've got i've got about a minute and a half filmed of it before my phone cracked out on me oh man <laughs> sitting there i was trying to film it and my phone died i'd forgot the night before to charge it like a idiot but <laughs> <laughs> um you were talking about you love the the stories from the road and traveling, you know, with these other guys like Billy and Walter, like, what what's one of your favorite <laughs> favorite on the road stories that you could tell us?
0: Well, um, I've got many of those too. I'm, I'm full of stories. I'm full of a lot of things, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely full of stories too. Um, one of my favorite ones happened right there in Atlanta, where we were together the night before uh, that panel.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, we walked in. Now, you, you remember Billy is in his white suit,
1: yeah, his yeah. white
0: tux, his American flag tie, and his red vest. Walter's in his striped referee shirt. Okay? I'm just in, in in regular clothes. Nothing to it, right? Yeah. We walk into a Waffle House in Atlanta. We were the only white people there. <laughs> <laughs> and it was crowded. There was one booth almost in the back. And we went over there and we sat down. And the waitress said when we walked in, she said, I don't know who you are, but you somebody famous. And and she didn't really point at me or Billy or Walter, but we knew she was talking about Billy, okay? Yeah. Because he was six five in this white suit and every eye in the place was on him. Okay, And I could not let this opportunity go. And she come back over to the table and she said it again, I know you're somebody famous, but I can't place who. And I, I took the opportunity to say, let me tell you who he is. I said, the circus is in town. This is the master of ceremonies. And this gentleman right here in the stripes, that's the zookeeper. <laughs> or no, the zebra keeper. The zebra keeper. That's what I said, the zebra keeper. And and she said, really? The circus? I said, yes. I said, why don't you come up to the circus tomorrow when you get off work? We'll get, we'll, we'll get you in. And (laughs) eventually, eventually I gave her a card before it was that. So she knew who we were, but I let, I let that go. And everybody was coming over. You're with the circus? You're with the circus. And every time we go to a town now and they're dressed up like that, I do that same line. (laughs) 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 So, um, Oh, that's
3: one of the stories on the road. But I'll tell you one more if we got time. Yeah, no, we we got, yeah,
1: we, got time. we got plenty of time.
0: Okay, all right. We went and in, in two and a half weeks we're going back there. Uh, but we went to Banning, California, uh, in January of this year. Now, Banning, California is where the big pinball uh, museum is, mm-hmm. and also uh, they've got several hundred video games. But they have probably twice as many pinballs and they, they renovated a big factory out there. And I mean, they've got like, uh, I don't know. It's close to 20 acres. Okay. So big, wow, place. they got picnic grounds. They got cooking place. They got, I mean, they can be self sufficient there with every, you, you don't have to go anywhere. They've got everything except hotel rooms. Okay. Huh. wow. And so, uh, um, we went out there and, um, to the Banning event, and we had a wonderful time. And Sunday morning, I had to take one of our fellows to the airport in Los Angeles. Well, Banning is in the middle of the desert. Have you ever heard of Palm Springs, California? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's about 26 miles west of Palm Springs. That's the nearest thing to it.
3: Oh, and
0: man. it's a small town, maybe 10 12,000, but... There's nothing else until you get close to L.A. And I had to take him to the airport for like a uh, 6 a.m. flight. Uh, so I got up and drove him all the way to L.A. I didn't know it was 107 miles. It was 107 miles to L.A. So I made him drive while I slept because he's the one going on a plane. He can sleep on a plane. Oh, yeah. yeah. I got there, let him out. Then I went over to the beach and – um, um I watched the sunrise and I had me a good time just sitting there watching sunrise at a beach in LA, you know? Yeah. And, um, uh, that's probably my favorite place to go. But, um, anyway, uh, not because I know stuff around there, just because, All the television shows I've watched from LA, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And and I I used to watch, now it tells you, this tells you how old I am, but I used to watch shows like Dragnet and Adam 12 and all this sort of thing. So I know, I know about the streets in the area and all that. Uh, and Rockford Files and so forth, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So I go back to the hotel after letting him out of the plane and seeing the sunrise and I go into the room and I'm rooming with Walter. And Walter's meditating. You don't disturb Walter while he's meditating. Um, and um, so I left the room, and I went to get some ice. And I turned the corner, and there's a man at the ice machine. And when he raises up, it is none other than Chuck Norris. <laughs> oh, my God. Now, it's 8.05 in the morning. It was... Chuck Norris.
1: Oh, my God.
0: And, and I said...
1: The earth just exploded. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs>
0: and I look and I say, uh, well, Mr. Norris, it's an honor to meet you. I mean, it just came out, you know. I, I was looking for something more intelligent to say, like, you know, I'm glad I didn't say, you want to fight? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we wouldn't be having this interview now. But he was extremely nice. He got his wife to take a couple of pictures of us. And... um but he gave me a charge. He said, now listen, we're at this hotel and we're going somewhere, uh, but please. I mean, I invited him to the event, but he wasn't. Gonna, he couldn't come to that. He said, please don't tell anyone I'm here till after I'm gone. I said, fair enough. And I kept the I kept my word to Chuck Norris. I did not tell anyone about it until I was back over at the event at Banning. Hmm. And uh, so I'm out to meet Chuck Norris, but I'm getting I'm getting to a better part of the story. Went through the day, and and then the event was over, and I had to take Billy Mitchell and his son to the airport in L.A. Because see, I'm when I go to these events, I'm usually the gopher. I, I'm the one that runs the uh, table. I <laughs> uh, sometimes I get to play, but uh, it's rare. Okay, yeah. so I was taking Billy Mitchell and his son to the airport. And I was tired. I had been up early. It was a rough, tired, tiring day. Um I mean, I just don't stand there behind that table and look pretty. I have to work. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um I'm uh, uh driving Billy to the airport, and we're moving because uh, we realize that, you know, it's going to be tight, okay?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, when you get into L.A., the traffic lanes go from – uh Three to four to six. Yeah. In one direction. And I was in the far left lane. I always wanted to drive in that, uh, uh, HOV lane, you know, just cause, you know, never could before, right? Yeah. Well, I'm in the high passenger vehicle lane, high occupancy vehicle. And, uh, the car's quiet. Billy's son is, is beside me in the front seat and he's laying asleep. Billy Mitchell himself is in the back seat, laying there asleep, and I'm dozing off, okay? Because I can't roll the window down or turn any music on; I'd wake him up, right?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And I'm dozing, and I'm weaving, and I'm fighting, and I'm pinching my leg and trying to keep myself awake, and I'm struggling. And then all of a sudden, the rearview mirror lights up just brighter than billy mitchell's red white and blue tie (laughs) red white blue lights all over the place and then i hear the siren oh boy i look down at the speedometer i'm going 84 miles an hour Mm. and he uh stays behind me and makes me go from the sixth lane all the way over to the emergency lane and then pull off at an exit it was vermont street okay which the chips people run out of that all the time. The movie, the, the TV show Chips. Yeah, that was one of their favorite exits to exit off. I pull off, and
1: um, it I wasn't know, Punch that pulled you over, was it? it
0: wasn't, <laughs> uh, no, I was. I was, I was I kind of hoping it would be, but no. But um, um, I was hoping actually Bonnie would pull me. Up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Take came into jail now. Uh, but uh, uh, pulled, she pulled me. Uh, he she he pulled me over, and I knew that I'm going to jail. You know why? I'm going 84 miles an hour in a 65 zone. I'm weaving. I have no seat belt on. I'm going to jail, okay? Uh, I know this. Uh, I'm a paralegal by trade, and I know I'm going to jail.
3: <laughs> okay? Yeah,
0: and I'm just trying to think. Well, first of all, how was Billy going to get to the airport, and how long I'm going to hear that from Billy for the rest of my life? <laughs> I went to the airport, but you went to jail, you know. So um, he comes up to the window on Billy's son's side, and he uh, uh, says, um, "Hi there, how you doing?" I said, "Fine." Uh he said, the reason I pulled you over was because you were weaving. And I'm thinking, okay, he didn't mention speed. He didn't mention seatbelt. Okay, good, good, good. Um, uh, he said, where were you? Where are you coming from? Because he knew it was a rental car already. Yeah. He, pulled, he pulled us over and he had to call the life then. And then I saw this is my opportunity to try real hard here. Okay, I said, well, Officer, we were out at that new uh, Museum of Pinball and Video Games that you have in Banning. It's one of the largest museums in the world for video games and pinball, and it's a wonderful experience. I'm, I came all the way across the country to be here. Oh, really? They have a pinball and video game museum? Yes, yes, they do. And I said, uh, and he looked about the right age, I said, you remember such games as... um pac-man and uh, centipede and donkey kong and donkey kong jr and he was shaking his head yes and i said do you remember donkey kong too right and he said yes i do and i said well the guy who had the world record on them at the end of 1982 is sitting in my back seat. And I turn toward Billy. He shines his light in Billy's face. Billy's got this (laughs) smile already on and he's looking at him and smiling. And Billy takes the conversation from there. And they start talking about video games and he recognizes Billy. Okay. He recognizes Billy and said, I'm going to have to Google you when I get back to my patrol car. And, um, so uh, they got to talking, and then finally he real. I, I told him, you know, I said, uh, "Well, I'm just trying to get him to the plane. I'm sorry, you know, all this stuff. It's been a long day. I'm tired." He said, "Well, I guess you're awake now." He said, um, uh, "You can still get your flight if you get out of here. I'm not going to give you a ticket, but just be careful." And um, he said, "Have a good day." He went back to his patrol car. We saw him on the computer in there, and. The only way for me to get back on the interstate was to make a U-turn. So I just naturally made a U-turn right there, went through a stop sign as I was making it, and turned and ran a little toll booth at the same time. (laughs) And he is screaming at me, You just run a stop sign, made a U-turn, and run a toll booth in front of a cop. I said, He's not watching me. He's good when you on the Internet. (laughs) So, so that's the kind of experiences that we have out on the road, um, uh, and, and it's hilarious. So uh, we made the plane, and, and all was well, and I avoided a ticket. Um, I have this strange ability to get out of tickets.
1: There's nothing uh, wrong with that. <laughs> no, that's a good ability to have.
0: Well, when, when we got pulled over for that event since December of 2007, I keep track of these things. I had gotten out of 18 tickets in a row.
1: Wow. Man.
0: That was number 19. Huh. And, of course, since then, I'm talking with gotten out of them in a row without being convicted of anything. Okay? Now it's 23. (laughs) Dang. I don't know how I do it. That's amazing. I talk to the officer. I talk to the – if I have to go to court, I talk to the judge. Uh – I'll talk to the DA. I don't know. I would have rather been handsome and be rich, but you know, I'll take it.
1: <laughs> yeah, oh, definitely.
0: <laughs> so, I just
1: landed my first one not too long ago, so I don't. I don't have that ability.
0: How fast?
1: I was doing seventy-two and a fifty-five. Mm-hmm. I was running late for. Uh, at the time, I was taking college courses at night, and uh, I was working. About two hours away from where we live now, toward Mississippi, and I was running late one evening trying to get home to go to class, and a state trooper popped me about 10 miles from where I needed to be.
0: Have you got out of it? Have you had to go to court yet?
1: Oh, yeah, I've done paid the ticket and everything. I just went ahead and paid it online. Hey, I've always had the most luck just being as honest
2: and open as I can with them. I usually, you know, they're like, you
1: know how fast you were going? Yes, sir, I was
2: feeding. (laughs) <laughs> and I get out of it more often than not when that happens but well
0: I- if you if you get another ticket uh, don't pay it uh, at this point you need to either ask an attorney to help you to reduce it because if you get another ticket they'll really pop hit your insurance'll pop it yeah so uh, I think it's what three years usually that they monitor something like that yeah mm-hmm. it's it's three so um, uh Just be careful of that, but that was an amazing and fun ticket I got out of. But there was one more that I got out of too. When I was taking, uh, some courses at a college about four years ago,
3: Mm -hmm.
0: I was going down the new four lane road that led right to the college and it's 65 speed limit, right? Yeah. Well, I was going a little crazy one day and I was running late just like you were and except I was doing 88 miles an hour. And I passed this unmarked highway patrolman. Mm. He uh, pulled me over. I knew again I was going to jail. Okay? We might do an interview one day from jail for me. We can do that. uh, I was... uh, um, I was. Uh, uh, I pulled over, and he ran up to the car, and he was fussing at me. He said, "If I wasn't late for court right now, I'd take you to jail." He said, "You better slow down," and he ran back to his car. And I said, "Thank you, Jesus." <laughs> <laughs> no <you're> kidding. <laughs> that was that was a very close call, very close call. So, uh, uh what else you want? I, I'll, I'll give you anything you need. Um, okay. Hey, and if you got too much, I understand that.
1: Well, one thing I just don't know, uh, you know, everybody knows some of your favorites, the Berserk, pole position two, uh, battle zone, stuff like that. You know, what's what's some of your other favorite games outside of the
0: Well I got about ones... seven I got about seven games I play for uh seriousness. And, and anything else I play is just for fun. Mhm. Um Berserk fast bullets, Berserk slow bullets, and Frenzy are serious. So is Rally X, uh, Battle Zone, which which Battle Zone was. Uh, I don't play it anymore because it hurts my back to bend over and
1: look yeah the, the, the to sco- look into yeah. the periscope.
0: But uh, Pole Position Two and Pole Position itself uh, are the ones I play serious. Uh, I'm sitting right now, if I have my camera working, you can see that I have all those games here except a battle zone. And um, I don't have a battle zone because, like I say, it's just too painful uh, to bend over into that periscope. But um, anyway, um, those are the ones I play for seriousness. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, I love playing a game called Chicken Shift.
2: Oh, yeah, we interviewed one of the guys who had to handle that, Mike Kennedy.
0: Yeah, I love I love playing that game. Now that's just for fun. I really just love playing it because of the name. Yeah, uh, but but it is a it is a cute you know funny uh, game, and um, I I enjoy mostly any racing game uh, that I don't have to compete on.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh,
0: I like playing Turbo. I was once fifth in the world on Turbo. I never could, I never could get a record out of that game, but I, uh, uh, was once fifth on, in turbo.
3: Hmm.
0: And, um, it's, um, I play it, but I try, um, to make sure that I don't let myself get too serious about it. Cause I don't need another game. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I never have been into the uh, consoles, the console berserk, um, um, one day I'll get a record on the, maybe the Coleco Vision Frenzy and the, um, the Berserk version that is, um, uh, what is it called? Uh, ver, with a V, uh, ver, uh, uh, Vectrix.
1: Vectrix, yeah.
0: yeah. I, I think I want to get those records just for the fun of it, uh, but um, I really don't play anything else. It's not that I'm, I'm prejudiced against them, it's just I don't have time. Yeah. Yeah. You
3: know, You're
1: already invested in those games. It, it takes a lot to, like, you know, it takes a lot of time to invest in a game, especially yeah. to learn it in and out, you know, and all that.
0: Yeah, and if I'm going to really play it a lot, I do want to learn it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, yeah. I don't want to, um, you know, haphazardly. That's why I don't ever play in these. Um, uh, you know, 10-game tournaments where you play a little bit of this and play a little bit of that and play a little bit of the other. Yeah. I don't play in those because um, uh, I, that's not what I'm known for. Now, there are people who are great players of such games like that. Um, you know, Donald, Donald Hayes, Steve Wagner. Uh, those are uh, amazing people who can do things like that. But... That, that's not for me. That's more like the decathlon in the Olympics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, Bruce Jenner won the decathlon, and I'm afraid that if I got good at all those games, I wouldn't want to turn into Bruce Jenner.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no. So, uh, definitely brings, not. See how my mind
0: works? <laughs>
1: yeah. I, don't, I understand that completely, though. That brings Just me to the question. Slippery um, slope. You know,
2: retro gaming is making a big comeback. Is there any, like, uh, new retro-style games that you've seen or played that have kind of piqued your interest, maybe in in a new record or anything like that?
0: There's one game that uh, does interest me, and that's Geometry Wars.
1: Oh, I love Geometry Wars.
0: Yeah. Uh, I don't know why. To me, it's kind of an Asteroids type of Berserk to me. I don't know why. But um, I I, I like that game. I I just... uh, that's just a cool game. I think. Oh,
1: I haven't played that one I mean, yet. Yeah, check that oh, out. Geometry Wars is excellent. You'll like it.
0: Oh yeah, there is one other game that uh, I really enjoy. I have some of the main. I have one of the main records that it has. Uh, it's called Prop Cycle.
1: I think I've seen... Isn't this the arcade cabinet where you actually ride a bicycle? Exactly. Exactly. Nice.
0: got a huge 50-something-inch screen in front of you. You have a fan blowing on you, and you're riding a bicycle because what you're doing on the screen is you're riding a uh, bicycle-powered hang glider, and you're nice. popping balloons. Huh. And, uh, I mean, it's a... That is a great game um i had an old boss that uh, one time mentioned that that was a uh, a game that he liked i looked it up because i'd never heard of it and um i wanted to uh impress him because he was telling me how great he was and i really didn't want to impress him but you know what i'm saying yeah uh, um i had the uh one of the segments of it, uh, the first segment, I had the world record on it within like four weeks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nice.
0: And then I showed him that online, he didn't really he didn't really appreciate that, but <laughs> I had a good time out of it.
1: Hey, that's all that matters. Yeah. That's
0: right. Uh, the only way that I can play it's on MAME. I have tried to trace down a prop cycle, but every lead for an actual arcade game prop cycle, I've... I've just run into uh,
1: brick walls. Um, I seen one in Florida a couple years ago, and the only reason I even remotely know what it is, I wanted to play it, and one of the pedals was broke on it, and I didn't yeah. didn't get to.
0: Yeah, um, I've I've tried to find them, and I just don't know where they're at. One day one will come up, and somebody will want a huge amount of money for it, but. Um, um, then they'll then they'll be able to keep it too because I do not have a huge amount of money back <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> well you're talking about um la is one of your favorite places to go where's some of your other favorite places that you went like doing the the circuit or convention circuit and all that
0: well I've been very fortunate I, I did uh, one trip a year up until um, uh, 2013 <clears throat> just one trip a year mm-hmm and then 2013 came, and I went to the Kong Off 3 in Denver. Starting then, since then, when this coming weekend is over and I go to New York, okay, I will have traveled 50,600 miles in gaming since wow. the Kong Off 3. Wow. I, I drive most of the places. Um, because I run the store for the trading card project. Yeah. And so I have to carry product, but if it's beyond the middle of the country, uh, you know, if it's beyond, uh, San Antonio, Kansas City, Minneapolis, that type of thing, I have to fly. Uh, there's just no, you know, two yeah. choices of that. Um, but, um, uh, I've been to 33 states in, uh, well, 22 months. And um, now that sounds glamorous. Let me tell you, it's not. <laughs> um, there have been many nights when I would leave an event and I needed to get back home to get to work. And I had no choice but to drive 12 hours or 11 hours or something like that and i would have to sleep in a rest area okay that's not glamorous no no especially when you're in a small car okay so um you know I, i i've only flown maybe uh five or six times in the two years and um the rest of it is just all driving. I enjoy going to Cincinnati to um uh Cheney's arcade the, the the place Retro Arcade.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um he is a person who loves and appreciate game, appreciates games and um he takes care of his games and he always tries to add and um you know go forth with different games as things come along. He changes his lineups. what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, the organization in Houston uh, that run the Pinball Expo that's going to happen down there in November.
1: I'm going to, I don't know if I'm going to get to, but I'm wanting to, it happens the day after my birthday. And I told my wife I would really like to try to go out there for the weekend. Well, come on
0: down. I'll be there. Nice. Okay. Friday and Saturday is when that event is, not Sunday. Friday and Saturday. Okay. And I'll be there with Walter Day. Uh, Billy won't be there for that one, but uh, my Walter and myself will be there. And they put on, I'll be honest with you, Atlanta uh, did what I call the, in 2014, they did the best first year event. Mm-hmm. But Houston did the over, that was their first year doing it. I mean, that was great. Houston did. Just etched them out as doing the best overall event. Okay? Nice. And um, I've been to Ohio probably a dozen times. Um, New Jersey, Richie Knuckles Arcade, which is fantastic. Um, He cares for his games. He knows how to work on them. Um, John Salter started an arcade in... The Cleveland, Ohio area. But the sad thing is, is that, um, be honest with you, I don't, uh, I don't know of many good arcades in the South, and that, that, that really bothers me.
1: Yeah. We don't I mean, have any in Alabama. The one that we do have, it's, uh, we're, we're in Coleman, which is like dead center North Alabama. Yeah. And in Huntsville, they have, Uh, is it game galaxy game galaxy game galaxy and they're going out of business right now they're selling everything off
0: oh no no
1: that's literally and it was a really cool setup they have about 40 to 50 arcade units um like 20 pinball machines they got all the classics covered you know but they had it where you can pay ten dollars for the day and they had everything set free play yeah, you that's know, how the
0: arcades do it now.
1: I know. Um, they're they're selling their stuff off as we speak. Yeah, they're moving back up to Tennessee. They're moving up to Tennessee, yeah.
0: Well, uh, the, the the reason that I think the Southern Fried Gaming Show is so successful in Atlanta is because, like I say, there's not any arcades around here. Right. But um, in, in Chicago area, there are at least three good arcades.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah uh, Lyle and I actually starting a uh, small um, we We're trying to start a small convention ourselves Good Old Game Fest we We're starting really small at first Because there, there's nothing like that here in Alabama So we would like to get something similar to The Southern Fried Game Yeah, game start remix, off small uh, here and get in big.
1: We're uh, September 26th In our hometown We're doing a Called Good Old Game Fest We're going to have a few arcades Um some consoles, a few tournaments, prizes hooked up. You know, we're tra- like Brandon said, we're starting small because they don't. Alabama doesn't have like a classic gaming convention at all, and you well, know, North figure Car- somebody ought to start one.
0: Yeah, North Carolina had a kind of a, a Comic Con type thing a year and a half ago uh, over in Goldsboro on the other side of Raleigh, but. Um, there's nothing that I know of. I know of no arcade anywhere, period. Uh, mm-hmm. in North Carolina, um, I think there's one, there may be one out on the Outer Banks near Kitty Hawk, but I mean, that's eight and a half hours away.
1: Oh, yeah. That's a little bit out of pocket to go do some yeah random gaming at.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, um uh,
1: yeah,
2: it's sad that Chuck E. Cheese is about the only place I can go get an arcade <laughs> okay fix at.
0: Yeah. I know. Uh, there are some collectors, though, around the country that are doing nothing but hoarding games. I know probably of four to five right now that the people have 200 to 2,000 games.
2: Wow. Oh, Why they're
0: hoarding them, I do not know. Uh there was one guy who found uh 80 something games in his uncle's farm in uh Kansas that he inherited. Huh. Yeah, they were wow. they had been played in 30 something years, but they were there.
1: That's something. Uh, yeah. We we actually talked about the hoarding thing a little bit earlier. Like I I collect a lot for the the old console systems because I mean you know that was my first exposure
2: yeah, to video yeah.
1: game of course and uh, there's certain games I want now I, you know I, I'm a collector I guess but I play the games I buy you know they just they don't just sit on the shelf generally but a lot of the games I want now that are two and three hundred dollar games you know some of the game stores we hang around there's people that are in there that have four and five copies of said game yeah, well, bragging uh, about it, and I'm just kind of like, well, man, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but you're the reason I've got to pay two or $300 to get this one game,
0: you mm-hmm. know? Exactly.
1: Exactly. It just, it aggravates me
0: <laughs> to oh, no end. Uh, and, and righteously so. So, um, um, but I love video gaming and, um, there are, like you said, some things happening. It's like um, the classics are rebounding. And, of course, they're not making the machines
1: anymore. Yeah, yeah.
0: But, you know, and consoles are coming with it. I expect uh, from the things that I know and some things I can't talk about, but I expect from what I know that over the next... Uh, year to year and a half that there'll be many more festivals and, uh, gaming events and weekend events and, and they're now even starting to include some of us in Comic Cons.
1: Yeah. Nice.
0: Yeah. So, um, um, I went with Walter and Billy to the Kansas City Comic Con, uh, four or five weeks ago, something like that. And um, that was quite an interesting event. You know, uh, we had no publicity getting there uh, except the Thursday before it started on Friday. That's not publicity, in my
1: opinion. No. Yeah.
0: And still we had, a, you know, real good crowd. And um, there are some things that are going to happen that, uh, uh, you know, we may be at more Comic-Cons. That'd be great.
1: That'd be awesome.
0: Yeah. And um, I'm trying to get in shape right now, physically, to do a 100-hour no-sleep gaming marathon of Frenzy.
1: I'm glad you brought that up because I've been pointing to Brandon on my piece of paper. That was the next thing I was going to ask you is about your attempt to do the longevity record. Right
0: right um there are many things that um um go into choosing a place to do it
3: mm-hmm.
0: and um i it's, it's not a hundred percent well yes it is it's a hundred percent because he said i could have whatever i wanted uh, uh jace hall has offered me to, to let me do it at his studios in hollywood california and uh i think of all the places in the country and with the excellent staff they have there that that would be the best place for me to do it
3: mm-hmm. it would
0: get it would get a successful uh attempt great exposure yeah and uh um, because see i think that classic gaming deserves uh to be uh, um, heralded and, and brought back. And if I could do something that would gain it some exposure, mm-hmm. to gain it some notoriety, uh, I'm all for that. You know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah we are too. I mean, that's all, all we do, really.
0: Um, I mean, the longest I've ever gone is 52 hours, but uh, I'm trying, like I said, I'm trying to physically get in shape right now and uh, because it's not the game so much that will um, do me in it would be my body yeah okay uh, i am 55 years old okay and um i'm actually if you really look at it i'm closer to 56 than i am 55 <laughs> by the time i do it i will almost be 56 and um as far as the game of frenzy it has a glitch in it. Um, it'll let you win an extra man every 3,000 points.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But it has a glitch that there's only so much RAM available on that chip. Yeah. yeah. And if, for some reason, you get to the uh, fourth row of men, which is um, going to be around uh, number 98. When the extra man buzzer goes off, the bullets or your man will freeze. Oh. Not the robots, but mm. the bu- your bullets and your man. Now, I've learned to, it's a very hard process, but I've learned to learn how to negotiate it.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm not saying that, you know, I've learned it, I'm an expert, but I have negotiated through it. Um, the most men anyone's ever gotten was like 120-something until I got 147 not long ago. Huh. But, um, Frenzy also, if you get, um, what I did was I learned how to get through it and, um, I uh, played to where if you get, you know, 253 men on some games, it starts over. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, Uh, Not 253, but 257. Uh, I got um, 257 in the game. You lose all your men, but the game doesn't start over. You keep the score. So Uh. uh, if I did it at Jace Hall's place in uh, Hollywood, I want a second frenzy machine there because if a 30-something-year-old machine breaks down, I don't want that the reason to stop if my body's still willing to go. Yeah. Uh, I would do the second quarter record. On the second instead. machine. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. In other words, continue playing. I, I will have played 100x hours, but I will have done it on two quarter drops instead okay. of one. Right now, the longest record is 85 hours and 16 minutes um, on a classic video game. And my friend John Salter has that, but I aggravate him about it all the time because he takes. He took about eight sleep breaks during that 85 hours and he slept for, uh, you know, 30 minutes to an hour each mm-hmm. time because his game armor attack will allow him to build up a thousand and plus men.
1: Yeah. And so it gives you the time to sacrifice yeah. the men and continue to be able to continue going.
0: Yeah. Because, uh, frenzy will only let you, uh, 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 you know, build up the number of men I said, but you can lose a man every seven seconds.
2: Oh, uh, that'll take long. To... You
0: no, know, when you are when you walk away from the game and just let it play out, you lose a man every seven seconds. Well, that means that in less than 11 minutes, you're going to lose all your men, um, you know, so uh, if you have the max number that I've ever gotten, so.
2: So is that how you you handle bathroom breaks? You just you just gather up enough extra lives that you can walk away for a second.
0: Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Uh. <laughs> uh, when I got my record back in 2011, uh, it was a 42 hour and like uh, 11 minute game, something like that. Or 42 hour and 21 minute game. Um, I didn't go to the bathroom till <laughs> 41:08. Wow. And, and what I do before I do a marathon is I fast. I do a water only fast and I'm, I try to start the marathon on the eighth day of the fast. Now you might say in fast. Well, I've done it so many times. I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you do a water only fast, you're not hungry after day five period. Huh. You're just not hungry. You can smell the most delicious steak, and you don't want it. I mean, your brain smells it, but you're not hungry. Yeah. And so I do a water-only fast, and I get myself in that situation. And your stomach is usually empty by a day eight or nine, totally. Yeah. So so I've learned how to facilitate that and drink some tepid water uh around day six and seven so it makes sure it is and so i am i am i am clean as a whistle (laughs) when i start my game and i just keep myself minimally hydrated so that um you know i don't die yeah so i'm not hungry and uh i'm hydrated and i'm not going to die and i can focus and so the bathroom breaks come at a minimum um and I have experimented with how do I say this? Things that will help me with that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Bottles.
0: Bottles, exactly.
1: <laughs> reservoirs.
0: Reservoirs. <laughs> yeah. Portable reservoirs. Yes. Yeah. So
1: How do you go into I mean, I'm sure the fasting and everything goes with it, but how do you mentally go in to prepare yourself for such a feat like that you just got to become one with the machine pretty much right
0: well yeah and a lot of people say what does that mean what does that mean that means that you have to uh really not allow yourself an out uh you're going to do this and you're going to do this no matter what now Mm -hmm. i have uh probably tried marathoning i don't know 20, 24 different times, something like that. I've successfully gone over 40 hours 12 times. I've only gone over 50 once, okay? But I've gone over 30, uh, well, let's say I've gone over 20, um, you know, probably another six or seven times uh, as well. So um, I just, tell myself i've got to do it i'm going to do it i am going to do it and i play music that i want to hear inside my headphones and sometimes people will come by and they have permission to pinch me beat me uh whatever they need to do to keep me awake but i do not do caffeine because it might get you up but you come you come down pretty soon you crash yeah.
1: harder yeah
0: yeah so uh, don't do caffeine so that's how i prepare that's how i prepare myself i tell myself i'm gonna do it i'm gotta do it you know nice usually it involves time off and some sort of expense to to do it and so you know you just don't set yourself up like that and then incur a loss if you can help it
1: very nice
2: well um it's starting to get kind of late here i know it's even later for you um so I guess we need to start kind of wrapping this up. Okay. Um, I did have one, one more question I wanted to ask you. If there is one lesson or moral that you could take away from the arcade, what would that be?
0: Wow. That's a good question. Um, I don't know if I can put it in a phrase, but I can tell you that it's taught me uh, to be more accepting of different people. It's taught me to... Uh, try harder when I didn't think I could anymore. Uh, it's taught me that people can get around and have fun without, uh, you know, spending a lot of money or, or, or getting high. Uh, and the arcade community has brought me probably 99% of the friends I have today. So, it's been a good experience for me i'm I'm blessed to have been able to uh be in video gaming period so uh the moral of the story is is that um uh they're good people here and it's taught me some good uh, good traits that that carry me through life
1: that's great. nice
2: yeah well do you have any any final question
1: I'm looking over here um I mean, it's a basic one, but if you could say anything to anybody that's coming up and wanting to be a competitor in the classic games, what would the the main thing you would tell them be?
0: Uh, Don't be negative. Uh, Be persistent. Uh, Enjoy what you – find something you enjoy, and if you really want to compete – uh doesn't necessarily have to be for a world record you can win a tournament mm-hmm. you can just enjoy the game you can just be the uh uh somebody who keeps up with one of your friends uh, think about what you're doing have fun with it and don't let ne- negativity set in there are there are some people who let ne- negativity set in and all they do is whine when they don't get a score oh, that just annoys me
1: yeah yeah and,
0: and um You didn't get the score because you hadn't gotten good enough yet. That's
2: probably a bad answer. Yeah, that's one of the biggest lessons I've been trying to to convey to my my stepson and my daughter is, um, you know, don't make excuses. Learn to accept when you've lost and try to learn from
1: that loss because you never get better if you don't. Learning from a loss will help you win later on.
0: That's right. Uh, I do have a phrase that probably kind of applies to this that is very soon going to be on a T-shirt, by the way. Um, practice to your weakness, so you can play to your strength.
1: That's what you signed on my copy of Berserk.
0: That's right. That's right.
1: It's so good. That's, so uh, that's the truth, though. Yeah. I mean, you don't you don't know what your weaknesses are until you suffer that first loss. You know. That's that's right. that's yeah.
2: I've, I've learned it's far more from it. my losses in life than from my gains. Oh yeah.
1: That's most true. definitely.
0: That's probably a life lesson for all of us. Exactly.
1: So, Joel, we are we're so thankful you took the yes. time out of your schedule to sit down with us.
0: Not uh, a problem. I enjoyed it.
1: We're very appreciative, and we'd we'd probably like to have you. I mean, probably we'd definitely like to have you back on again later on if you'd be up for it. Maybe so. do a do a catch up. Yeah. See how things are.
0: Okay. Well, you, you name it, we'll do it. Uh, uh, you know. We seem to have a matter of logistics, or I did, but now that we were here, uh, it's really fun and definitely want to do it again.
2: Yeah. Is there any chance you're going to be at the next Southern
1: Fried Game Room Expo?
0: Oh, I'm sure I will be, yes. I enjoyed that tremendously.
1: Then
2: I'm pretty sure we're going to see you there.
1: Yeah, I've already been looking at booking us a hotel room ahead of time, like, <laughs> just in case. Well, um,
0: um, the thing in Houston uh, is coming up, and... And, um, if the weekend works correctly, there's one in, there's an event in Jacksonville the first weekend in June. Uh, but, um, I'm trying to think of, I wish there was something other than just Atlanta. Um, but I don't really know of anything and I wish there was.
1: Well, maybe if, yeah. maybe if good old game fest ends up being a bigger deal next year, maybe we can get you down here with us for a weekend.
0: Hey, that sounds great. You let you let yeah. me know. That'd you be cool. And um, um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this, fellas. Probably one of the most enjoyable interviews I've ever had.
1: Well, thank you, well, thank you. You're, you're definitely one of our favorite interviewees. Is that <laughs> is that a word?
2: Yeah, it is. It, it, is.
1: Is. it is now. Yeah, <laughs> good deal. Now uh,
2: now. Yeah, we'll be, we'll be throwing this up on uh, Friday.
1: Yeah, I'll send you a link when uh, we get it up. So won't be any editing magic
2: going on. I just enhance the vocals, throw an intro and outro on. Yeah, Brandon
1: won't chop anything we say into something. Remember to put that picture of the model up for me, okay? (laughs) Okay, we'll do that. We'll. (laughs) I'll make a note. We'll definitely make sure it happens. (laughs) Yeah, I'll be in New Jersey. uh,
0: I'll be getting to New Jersey Friday night, and uh, uh, I say New York, but uh, you know. New Jersey, New York, it's the same. Yeah,
1: same difference. What
0: big old traffic mess, doesn't matter what side of the river you're on, you know? Right. So, thank you all guys very much.
1: All right, thank you, Joel. Be safe in your journeys, man.
0: Appreciate it.
1: All right.
2: Talk to
0: you later. All All right. right. Bye. Bye -bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
3: don't go. The drones need you. They look up to you.